You're listening to the Overeaters Anonymous Mid-Peninsula Podcast. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. For more information, please visit oamidpeninsula.org. Good evening. Um, I'm Catherine. I'm a food addict and bulimic. Um, and uh, delighted to be here tonight. I'm I'm sorry for the little drama there. Um, I had the password and the ID, but not the link. Anyway, so um, I am here to tell my story, uh, and so that's what I'll do. Um, let's see. I grew up the middle child of three children. I grew up in a really pretty stable household. Um, loving parents and um, no abuse, um, nothing that would make me, you know, think that I, that would explain the fact that I am a food addict. Um, And I ate normally until I was in seventh grade. And then in seventh grade, um, it was a year I was starting to develop. I got my menstrual cycle Um, and I had a cousin who got me into dieting. So I would diet, um, with her during the week. And at the time I was going, I was living with my grandparents during the week to go to an all girls school. And then I'd go home on the weekends. And, um, during that year, my brother and sister got very close and started to leave me out and ostracize me. And, um, I also, because I went to a school, you know, an hour away from my town, I didn't keep up with the people in my town. So I would be very lonely on weekends. So I would be happy during the week when I was with my grandparents and going to school. And then I'd go home and just be really lonely. Um, and that's when my compulsive eating started. Uh, and, uh, it started just, a little bit of over, overeating. I would go to the refrigerator. That's the first thing I would do when I got home for the week on Friday uh, afternoon. Anyway, so I started compulsively eating. I was a totally normal body weight at that point. Um, I skipped eighth grade and went right into ninth grade. I was very young. I started ninth grade when I was 12. Um, I turned 13 very shortly after the year started, but I started as a 12 year old and um, I looked like I was mature, but emotionally I wasn't mature at all. So here's a 12 year old um, in high school. And um, let's see. At that point, my, my eating, yeah, eating started to get worse. I started having binges for the first time. Uh, I met a group of girls who I went to their house one day and they actually spread food out and, and binged. It was a real binge. And I'd never seen anyone do anything like that. That was my, probably my first binge. Anyway, um, 
I, I struggled in ninth grade. I went away to school for 10th, 11th, and 12th. Uh, I ended up going to a boarding school and it wasn't because my parents didn't love me or anything like that, but the schools where I lived were not very good. Um, so I went away to boarding school and made friends, but I kept compulsively eating and I gained weight and I, I started gaining weight and I gained about 40 pounds. So I was about 40 pounds overweight. And I was convinced that if I had a boyfriend, if I were thin, I would have a boyfriend. If I had a boyfriend, everything would be perfect. Um, and every journal I wrote, I'm going to lose this many pounds by this date. And so-and-so boy will like me. Um, so, but I, I went through high school, 10th, 11th and 12th, never had any male attention, never had a boyfriend, didn't, yeah, I went with friends to the dances and stuff like that. So anyway, I went into college um, and my freshman year in college was when my bulimia started. I lost a few pounds over Thanksgiving. I got some attention from from a boy and he made some comment to me like you could stand to lose some more weight. And um, that's when my bulimia started. So it started as a way to keep me from gaining weight back. And then it just became a total coping mechanism where food and purging are how I handled my hard to handle highs and lows, um, the highs and the lows and boredom, um, and loneliness and really, you know, having to make any decisions. So, uh, I started, uh, throwing up and, by the time I graduated from college, I was throwing up three and four times a day. Um, and the bulimia, I just went to such great lengths to hide it that I, I was so ashamed of being bulimic. I thought it was the worst thing that someone could be. And, um, so I would sneak food. I would go, um, into find solitary bathrooms. So people couldn't hear me throwing up. I would, you know, take food and eat it alone in the room. It was just a lot of secrecy and a lot of isolation. Um, and I made it through college. I almost dropped out my senior year. And I told my parents my senior year about my bulimia. That's the first time I told anyone. And um, I joined a bulimic support group at my university where I went and um, at the hospital. And Everyone in the group was still practicing in some way, either anorexia, bulimia, compulsive eating. Nobody was well, so I did not get well by going to that group. We just sort of reinforced each other, um, each other's bad habits. So that did not help. Um, but I graduated from college, and then I went out west to work in Wyoming for the summer. And I worked in the Grand Teton Mountains and they were just exquisitely beautiful, but I was a waitress in a restaurant and it, it was all glass and it overlooked the Teton. So I would see the sunset, um, but I just ate. That's what I did. I was a waitress and I ate. And I remember another waiter and a bus boy said, you know, we were talking and you always have something in your mouth, whether it's food or ice or, and I, I did. And I would eat off my customer's plates when they were done. Um, and I would also steal from the dessert cart. So there was a dessert cart out at this restaurant and, um, the baker who, 
baked the dessert items. One night told me he wanted to talk to me after um, the shift was over. And I was just very, I knew he must know that I've been stealing off the dessert cart. So after work, I met him outside and he um, ended up asking me to have an affair with him. And um, he had a girlfriend who I was friends with. And I said, you know, absolutely not. And then the following summer, he was charged with raping a waitress. Um, And I just think because of my disease and my fear about getting caught stealing desserts, I put myself in that kind of situation that could have really brought me harm. Um, So got home from Wyoming, graduated from college, had gone to a really a, a good high school. And here I was without a job. And I was living with my parents in this small town of Leesburg, Virginia. And I felt like just a real loser. And I was very afraid of people my age. And one of my college roommates, her sister was an OA and she mentioned OA to me. Um, So I called her sister and I went to my first OA meeting. Um, and I had been, I, I'd done therapy. I also, I worked for physicians weight loss center and I would, you know, weigh people and do whatever. And then on my lunch break, go and binge at the vending machines and purge and then run back upstairs. Um, yeah. So, um, I didn't really, I didn't really have a a real job, felt like a loser. And I was scared of people my age. I just, they scared me. Um, I felt my self-esteem was so low and I was just so lonely. I graduated from college and I was living with my parents again in the small town. And um, so I went to that first OA meeting that my roommate sister met me at. And um, I got a where and when, an OA where and when. And that's, that's how I started OA. And it was in 1998, the fall of 1998. And um, the second meeting I went to, they, they explained the program. It was a newcomers meeting and I knew it felt right. Um, this whole idea of physical, emotional, and spiritual disease and solution just felt right to me. Um, and so that's, I started OA and that where and when became my Bible. I just, I would go to lots and lots of meetings and I got a lot of healing from those meetings. One, I was so lonely and isolated that going to a meeting felt wonderful. It was, it was 10 minutes, 10 minutes. Okay. It was something social for me. And, um, so I got to be around other people and I got my first sponsor and, um, got some you know, emotional healing. I remember she wrote me a note one night, I love you. And I just was so blown away that someone could love me. Um, but so I, I stayed in OA and started um, cultivating a relationship with a higher power. My dad was an Episcopal priest, and it wasn't until I got into OA and started uh, working in the 11th step and the third step that I sort of even understood what my religion was about. Um, even though OA is not about religion, it helped me develop spiritually so that I became more mature in my religion. But, um, so I was maturing spiritually, getting emotional healing, but I couldn't get abstinent. Um, 
And I, yeah, I would get abstinent for a few days, maybe a few weeks. Uh, the longest I got abstinent was two months. And then I would just always go back to the food. And so April of 1990, I um, went to a meeting. It was a how meeting. I didn't know what a how meeting was. I had a, I knew it was something kind of negative, but I went to it because I was staying at my aunt's house and it was near a how meeting. And I went and the meeting blew me away in that there was this sponsor line across the, the room, you know, I don't know, 20 some people. And they were people my age that had years of recovery and bulimics who had years of recovery. Um, and that was just very inspirational. Um, at that time, I was abstinent in OA. And um, so I left that meeting and kept working regular OA. And I went back to, to eating, binging. I lost my abstinence. Um, and, you know, they say it's just like there's nothing worse than a head full of OA and a stomach full of food. Um, but one day I, that my, that first meeting was in April. And then one day in June, another newcomer called me and said she was going to, no, hold on. In June, I asked a woman to be my house sponsor. That's right. I was ready to work how I asked to be my house sponsor. She said, sure. Just call me at Oh, dark hundred in the morning, every day, make three other calls, write down your food, no wheat, no sugar. Um, and I, I just thought it was crazy. And I was like, no, I, that's, that's just crazy. Um, especially the no wheat part. Uh, I, I was used to the no sugar part by then, but no wheat. Um, so that was in June. And in the next two weeks, I read a book. Um, there was a book about food addiction and about how certain people's bodies, if they ate wheat or sugar, their body set up a craving and they couldn't overcome it. And so in July, um, another newcomer from how called me, said she was going to try how, um, and she wanted me to come over to her house and have dinner and try it with her. So I called that same sponsor to see if she was still available. And she said, sure, call me at oh, dark hundred, you know, make three calls, no wheat, no sugar, weigh and measure. And, um, and I said, okay. And that, and I, that was just pure grace. I feel I, and I had binged and purged all day that day. Um, and I said, okay. And she, I went to this newcomer's house and we had an abstinent dinner and, um, I was given my first writing assignment, which I did. And then I called my sponsor the next morning and that was July 12th of 1990. And that um, was the beginning of my abstinence. And there was just something inside of me that was, was ready to completely surrender. And I had sort of been picking and choosing what parts of the program I wanted to do. Um, I'll do this, but not that. And, um, I just, I said, okay, I give up, I surrender. Um, and that's my abstinence state. Um, so got into how, um, started working the how program. I was, you know, young, I think I was 24 when I came into how, uh, I'm in my fifties now and, um, started, you know, 
doing the questions, working the steps. I actually loved how from the very beginning, there were other people my age. I felt like it was how I, how I made some friends. I made, I've made beautiful friendships through the program. Um, and just followed the program. I've done, you know, do the tools and do the steps. Um, and I, to this day, do what I did on that very first day. I always, I do do three phone calls a day and I do them three where I talk to someone, not like an email or a text. Um, always have a home group with the service, you know, do my reading and writing, have sponsees. Um, and over the years, first, I think what I needed most help with was, was just having girlfriends, having female friendships and how helped me with that. Um, I did an incredibly thorough fourth and fifth step. Uh, my sponsor who took it joked, we joked that she was going to get into heaven early. Um, and, and when I, so that was very helpful. I think that helped with, with my female friendships. I made, I had a whole lot of amends to make a lot of stealing and lying and cheating, a lot of dishonesty. And it actually took me 10 years, 10 abstinent years to finish my last, um, amend. And during that time, um, in the ninth year, I think I met I met a man and the day I gave my last amend, he uh, asked me to marry him. So he's now my husband. And I just always think that's interesting that it was after I made my last amend that um, my now husband wanted to marry me. So um, I've been in Hal since then. It's been 31 years. Uh, have gone back to graduate school during that time, gotten married, had two daughters who are who are now teenagers. They're both going into high school this year. Um, got a master's degree, started a career that I love. Um, and I will say my marriage has not been easy and motherhood has not been easy. I just was not a born mother and had a, I've just, questioned myself a lot as a mom. So that was, that was very difficult. And also get just being married. Um, I was 34 when I got married and, um, I think my husband and I both can be difficult people. Um, and abstinence and how, you know, the how program is what has carried me through, through everything in, in my life, in my, in my last 30 years, it's carried me through weddings and funerals and job loss. Um, two minutes, two minutes. Okay. Job loss through the birth of children, through, um, thinking that something's wrong with my children. Um, I don't know, just so many life experiences and how's just been the foundation. And, um, know, doing the steps and the tools. And so, you know, today I continue to surrender and to surrender my food and do steps one, two, and three. I still, I don't eat wheat. And I think, I think that was a really important turning point for me. When I stopped eating wheat, I stopped craving, um, for, at the very first meal, but, um, so still surrender, do steps one, two, and three every day. Um, I do steps four and five when I need to, you know, when resentments come up or when I need 
to do an inventory on something. Tenth step has been vital in my life, learning to make amends and to own my stuff. And that's been vital in my marriage and with my children. And I've been able to show them that example. Uh, just today, my daughter and I screamed at each other and I was sorry for my part, you know, and, and she owned her part. Um, and doing doing tenth step turnarounds has been very helpful. Um, so just the the steps in the program and the the foundation and structure have been so helpful to me. And to this day, my dearest friends are definitely um, in this program and OA how. And I'm just very very grateful for the life that I've been given. I I would not be alive today. I and if I went back to eating, I'm certain that I would. Um, get depressed and that and I would kill myself that's how I would die from this disease I think if I go back in the food um so that's what I have to share and that's it thank you